Good evening. Glad you're here again this evening. I I want to give you a heads up. I put my artificial ears in tonight, so maybe I'll be able to hear you all a little bit better than what I did before. Uh, getting old is kind of a, a, it's not only a natural process, but I think fighting against it is also. You know, so I just kept forgetting I don't need them. I don't need to put them in, but yeah, I do. I need to put them in. If you looked in the back this evening, too, something else I wanted to mention. Uh, for your handouts that are back there, we have the, the regular handout that uh, we use for this evening, and that's lesson four. And also, in case we finish up, uh, also put a handout back there with a summary of the demons on one side and of the angels on the other side. So that'll give you something you can work on it at home if you want, take a look at it a little deeper. If you want to do some extra studying or whatever, that's it's there. So I thought I would bring that with us as well as we go in our uh, study of angels and demons. Now, last Wednesday, we didn't quite get done, so I promised we would kind of pick up with the death angel that we talk about a lot. Some people call it the, the Grim Ripper, or not the Grim Ripper, the Grim Reaper, not, <laughs> not the Green Ripper. I don't think that's anywhere in there, so... But it's the, the Grim Reaper, we think of as the death angel in, in our vernacular, in our pictures. As we listen, we hear that a lot. You know, well, here comes the Grim Reaper, you know. In this case, most people think of the death angel. And the death angel itself, that term is nowhere in Scripture. There's not a death angel mentioned. We, we think about it, though, because of probably the movie The Ten Commandments. Because that was the big thing. The death angel is going to come through and going to wipe everybody out and all that. Uh, I remember, and believe it or not, I, I got to go see very early the Ten Commandments when I was a kid. I was probably maybe eight years old, somewhere around. It was 1955, I remember that. And when, it came, when the movie came out, we went there, and I was never as frightened as I was by that death angel that they had on the screen, that kind of green slime going through the streets and seeing people dropping and all that stuff. And for a long time, that was my view of this death angel. You know, And I think that we kind of gathered that and put that into our, our memory banks as part of what that death angel was like. It was associated with the 10th plague in Egypt. We see in, in uh, Exodus chapter 11... That plague, of course, was the one that uh, that God said he was going to take out all the firstborn unless they had the blood on the doorpost and the lintel. Then he would pass over the, that particular household where they got the feast of the Passover. Um, if you remember the movie, again, Ten Commandments, the Moses, who, who was uh, not really Moses, you know, it was Charlton Heston, but Moses said that Pharaoh brought the plague on himself by his own words. That wasn't true, not according to Scripture. God said this is what's going to happen. And then Pharaoh hardened his heart and said, you know, there it is. But he didn't actually, uh, I remember the line that, that uh, Charles Heston said, out of the mouth of Pharaoh he's, he's, he's caused his own last command, or last uh, plague. And that 
God had already set it up. So in case you were watching that movie, next time he goes there, go ahead and check me out, see if I'm right or wrong. The tenth plague was the execution to be carried out by the Lord. That's in Exodus twelve, thirteen, And that's one of the answers. We've got death angel, ten commandments, the tenth plague, and the execution on your little worksheets this evening. <clears throat> and again, I'm, I'm leaving that death angel up there as, as something to remind us. The Lord intend, infers, rather, this to be the destroyer. The Bible designates that angel as the destroyer or the angel of the Lord. It mentions it both ways. To whom this personage actually is, um, we're not told, except that it is the Lord or the angel of the Lord. So we know that much, so we don't know whether it, this was the um, spiritual coming of, of Christ or if this was a special angel that was designated, that, that information is not there. But we do know that it says that it was the Lord that was carrying it out. The death angel, there's that grim, that rim reaper there that I had a minute ago. Uh, we think about him with the dark cloak and the hat of the big sickle. You know, he's going to come and take everybody out. But that's, um, that death angel was also referred to as destroying or destruction or a slayer when they were inflicting, inflicting the punishment of death on mankind. And we see that in a couple of places. They were also, the death angels, were referred to as a host of angels. Not just one, but a host. Angels of destruction, Psalm seventy-eight forty-nine. <coughs> Excuse me. The death angels here that we're going to mention talks about, remember in Sodom and Gomorrah, there were three angels that came to Lot's house, two of them went on in to destroy the city. In Genesis 19, 12, and 13. And if you think about it, if you look back in uh, Second Kings 19, 35, it only took one angel, one angel, to strike down 885,000 Assyrians in one night. That's one angel. Now we've got two going to Sodom. So if there's, if you don't think the Lord has some power that's inflicted in the in the angels, uh, you know, when you really think about the 185,000, uh, that's a lot of ballparks you could fill up. You know, most of the ballparks are what uh, 60,000, something like that, and you're talking 185,000. So that's uh, that should conclude us from last week. And now we're getting to the part that everybody's been telling, when are you going to get to the demons? When are you going to get to the demons? Well, tonight we're going to get into the demons, at least uh, get a start. Hopefully I'll be able to finish it. The demon, there we go. That's in case you didn't know what I just said. (laughs) Sometimes they were referred to as unclean or evil spirits, according to the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. That's the way they list the definition of the demons. The Greek form of transliteration uh, is daemon, meaning devil. And that particular word is only used one time in Scripture. It's interesting. 
But the plural, demonian, translates 60 plus times in the scriptures, meaning a demon or an evil spirit. So there's quite a bit of difference. We use the devil a lot, but actually the scripture uses it less than it does a demon or evil spirit. So what are demons? Well, let's let's look and see what they are. King James and the authorized version, King James authorized version, incorrectly translates demons as devils, and that's probably why we think about, you know, calling them devils so much, because it's there. But actually, they were evil spirits or demons. And they combined the word demon and evil in our English and came up with devil, if you put the two together. Uh, I don't know how long I watched um, the 101 Dalmatians and Cruella DeVille was on the front. I never saw devil, but it, that's what it was. DeVille was, you know, it's Cruella, Cruella Devil. And I thought, you know, well, how did I miss that for so many years? But I sure did. There we go. What are the demons again? They're spiritual beings. We know that. And the demons are spiritual beings that are at enmity with God. We see it in Matthew eight sixteen, chapter ten, one and twelve forty three to forty five. They are they were spoken of as being an enemy with God, being an enemy, being a sole soul enemy because they are promulgating us into things that we shouldn't be into. They have a certain power over man. James two nineteen and Revelation sixteen fourteen. That uh, power can be can be brought out in a lot of different ways. We see it in the New Scriptures, our New Testament. We see a lot of possessions, uh, a lot of uh, of illnesses, uh, of different things that's caused by Satan and his angels. Sin causes it. God didn't cause it. Genesis. Uh, first chapter says that when he got to the end of the chapter there he said that everything was good it was very good sickness is not very good Uh, paralyzing illnesses uh, of that people have of uh, epilepsy things of this nature that wasn't God's idea he didn't have that in store for us sin entered the world and those things came with it The demons also recognize Jesus as the Son of God. Isn't that interesting? We have people today that still don't acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. And yet the demons believed, and they even said so. They even talked to him and said, you know, we don't want any part of you. You know, please leave us alone when he cast them into the, to the pigs. And I'll talk about that in a minute, I think. So what are the demons? They would belong to a number of those angels that abandoned their proper dominion but left on their own accord. That's in Jude Jude chapter 6. They uh, kept not their first estate, some versions say. These unclean spirits, these fallen angels, these angels of the devil. Matthew 25, 41 and Revelations 12, Seven through nine also back that up as well. 
Demons are part of the principalities and powers against which we wrestle, Paul said in Ephesians 6.12. That's an interesting thing because we don't understand and we will not know in this life what spiritual warfare is going on out there for our souls. We don't we don't know what that spiritual world is doing. If, if those demons and the, and the and Satan are trying to steal our soul, and that we have we these angels that are ministering to us, are they fighting them off? We don't know. We'll know someday, but we don't know now. But there is something going on that we can't see, we can't experience, and we'll uh, talk about that a little more in just a minute. So. Let me move along here. The New Testament is relatively quiet on demons when you think about it. There's practically nothing that's said about their origin. You know, where were they were in heaven? We know that, but what about before that? When when were they created and, and why if they were going to do what they did? We don't have any of that information available. We don't have any information available on their nature except that they're evil and that they're evil in the fact that they... Uh, rejected God, even though they were in heaven, as Bob said last week, they were already in heaven, and yet they turned their back and says, we're out of here. We're going to start our own heaven and see if we can't do better. Well, because we see how that works out. We don't know of their necessary a lot of their characteristics, other again than, the, than they're evil and they're up to no good, or their habits that they have, we, those things are not given to us. But what some things are, uh, the, the uh, demons reside in desolate, uninhabited regions. Say, well, Bob, where'd you get that? Well, I got that from uh, uh, from Jesus himself. You know, he actually spoke about that. And we forget about it sometimes because it's so short. But there were three references and creates direct information and direct information ceases after that. Jesus spoke of the demons passing through waterless places in Matthew twelve forty five. That sounds desolate. Sounds like a desert area. And it says every foul spirit, this is in Revelations, every foul spirit resides in Babylon, which is fallen. And if you remember the way Revelations was written, Babylon was not the ancient Babylon. Babylon was under the Roman Empire at that time, which was falling when he was speaking there, which would fall very shortly. So there's a desolate space where evil spirits apparently do dwell. And since Jesus said it, it kind of gives us a countenance or permission to go ahead and say it again, you know, that we can, we can say it. And not as a matter of opinion, but as a matter of fact, because that much we know. Yes? I was always under the impression that the only thing that God created in heaven was angels. In your study, do you find anything that confirms or denies that? I'm sorry, I got turned up. Say it again? I was always under the impression that there were only angels in heaven other than the Lord, that that's all that He created in the spiritual realm. The, the evil ones, spirits, demons, whatever you want to call them, were basically angels that had departed from God and chosen to go with Satan. They just had different labels. Have you read anything that either supports 
that idea or denies that idea? The only thing that I have read on that is that uh, the uh, that Satan basically persuaded a third of the angels to reject and, and leave on their own. They actually, um, we, we say they got kicked out, but actually, but according to the, the few references that are on it, the belief is that they did this on their own. They didn't, you know, they chose to leave, which that may be the reason why when we talked before about uh, uh, about having a free will but not having a plan of redemption, that may be why, because it wasn't designed for that. They were already there. Why, why would we redeem them to go back to where they didn't want to be to begin with? Does that make any sense? Yeah. I guess the next question that comes to my head is, is there a difference between bad angels and demons? No, I don't think so. I'm, I'm thinking they're both the same, just a different terminology to describe the same spiritual being. Okay? I mean, we talk about angels like, you know, like we know what they really are. We really don't know what they really are. We we got an idea in our heads, but we don't really have that vision to see them other than through paintings and whatever else that we might use for an influence. But we're stuck pretty much with what our idea is. When we get there, we may be really surprised about what things look like. You know, I always go back to... to um, John, when he was trying to describe all the things in heaven and what a problem he was having with it because his human language can't describe what was there. I mean, he talks about golden streets that you can see through, like crystal. Well, you know, I don't know of any gold you can see through. It's usually pretty solid. You know, that's just one example. We got, you know, a, a city that's miles and miles long that's got walls all up and down, and we're, he's trying his best. Paul, when Paul talked about it, he said, I knew a man that went to a third heaven and he didn't you know, he didn't know how to describe it. So he just didn't. He didn't he didn't try. And Paul was a man with a lot of words, as you know, since he wrote all the epistles. But he didn't even try. And John tried because I'm sure that God told him to under inspiration. But still, he was limited with with the language. We're limited in our thought patterns with uh, uh, what we think of angels. And demons, for that matter. So, does that answer enough of your question? Go on. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, John. Satan Paul made about uh, he didn't use the word demon, at least in my translation, but it referred to spiritual forces of wickedness. Well, that that seems to me to fit demons yeah. before the fallen angels. They were, they were definitely uh, uh, definitely identified in, the, in Paul's writings and, in, and even, like I said, in the word of the Lord. He, he called, called them out. And uh, we, like we're looking at the legions there. And if you look at that picture, you know, this was the, the one that legions, one legion was a thousand uh, soldiers. So if you think of this... Uh, Legion, he said, what's your name? He says, Legion. Well, that meant there was a thousand demons in this poor guy. And Jesus cast them out into the pigs, and the pigs went crazy and jumped off the cliff and drowned into the sea. But, uh, so there was something that was there and that Jesus recognized immediately. 
And uh, the Legion, when he was talking to Jesus in Luke uh, 8.30, mentions the abyss as a place of their ultimate de- detention. Uh, they were supposed, that was where they were supposed to be. In this, whatever, wherever this abyss is. Well, we think of an abyss, of course, as, as a, a big, deep hole. There's no bottom to a bottomless pit, so to speak. And uh, if, if that's what they meant, or again, again, it might be that, that limited language that we have and can't describe what was there. You know, that's so difficult. Definitely, though, belongs to the unseen world, these demons. And uh, they were not visible except to the, by the disorders usually that they caused by blindness. You know, well, he's got a, he's got a demon him, causing him to go blind. He's got a demon that, uh, that, that can't speak or he has seizures or it's insanity. Uh, all those things were, were part of what we would see, but we wouldn't see the actual demon involved. There's no reason for speculation in the New Testament we know of, no materializing or or no grotesque narratives of appearances and disappearances. You, you remember the the, the uh, movie The Exorcist and how horrible that thing was made up, you know, where the, she was floating above the bed and, and spewing green slime, whatever it was, and she was going, you know, they were all going nuts, and the priest was in there throwing holy water on it, wasn't doing any good. None of that's in the New Testament. We do know that there were that Jesus cast out demons, but we don't know just exactly, except for the ones that's described to us. And most of those were in the form of sickness or illness or, or things of this world. Morbid dealings with repulsive details, that's kind of what I was just talking about. I won't repeat that. The non-canical writings we, talk, we mentioned before in, in this class with the uh, books of Enoch, and Josephus. Now, Josephus wasn't wasn't a Christian by any means, but we get a lot of history and a lot of information out of his writings. It's not inspired, but it is something we get. Enoch was the same way. The book of Enoch was not inspired, but we can still gather information from early Testament writings, just like we can from what they call the early church fathers, these guys that wrote in uh, probably 100 to 200 A.D., we're still kind of familiar with some people that were still around uh, when Jesus was alive. So we, see, we get some of those things from it. Enoch said that the demons are fallen angels. That's where we get that idea from. Uh, we get the idea of Josephus holding that, that they were the spirits of the wicked dead. But we know that, it, that uh, if they were in heaven before, they didn't die to get there. They were already there. So we can see... We're not really inspiration, but yet we still think of them as being wicked. And we sometimes think of them as being kind of dead ghosts. You know, that's kind of spooking us up with everything. The rabbinical writings, the rabbis uh, wrote a lot of, of stuff that, was, uh, that, that they really went crazy with. Uh, they used their imagination and not necessarily that they were inspired to these things. Uh, and the reason I say that, we got one of them we got, we're thinking about, they falsely represented the offspring of Adam and Eve. This is the one that everybody questions in Genesis 6 2, where the sons of God and the daughters of men intermarried and had children, and those children were wicked and they became giants, and, and it goes on. The problem with that is that 
the Bible teaches that the angels have no sex. They don't, they're not male or female. Because he said, that's what we're going to be like with, with the angels right there. We're not, when we get to heaven, we're not going to be male and female any longer. You got something wrong? Yes, I see you doing this. <laughs> so, so the, the conclusion that I draw from that, and you may disagree with me, and that's okay. But if they could not reproduce, then these are not sons of God and daughters of men getting married. These are, in the context, people that were evil were marrying people that were good. And the two coming together was not producing good, but producing evil. Because shortly after this, we see Noah coming into a world that was just totally, totally consumed with evil. Where there's only eight people left out of all that that was on the earth. That's a lot. And that kind of makes this look a little bit more, to me, is what it was intended to be. So if you have something other than that, we can talk about it later and it'll be okay. Uh, And like I said, this is one area. When we get into areas that we don't have every piece of information, then we're in areas where we can tolerate one another's opinion without hating one another because they don't agree with us. So I hope that's what what we get, part of what we get out of this class. The rabbinical warm writings, the details of the demons are giving in uh, these additions to the law of their numbers, their haunts, and their habits. Now we get this from, again, rabbinical writings and Babylonian uh, writings as well. We'll see that in just a second. Times where they are where they were, times and where, excuse me, they are especially uh, dangerous, these demons. Uh, on the methods of breaking their power with ways of, of expulsion of demons, this was done under the rabbis. We think of it as being, you know, more in the, in the Catholic Church today when we talk about exorcism, but they were practicing this long before the Catholic Church came about. They had this way, this power of trying to expulsion the demons. Now, whether I doubt that it worked, because when Jesus did it, everybody knew it worked. And there was no questions that were asked at that particular point. The full imagination given to the uh, scriptures or the narrative of demons, we see uh, that imagination kind of carrying over today. The um, they were often times described as the most morbid and unwholesome characters of their doings among men. And they also, according to them, could appear in human and animal forms. So you wouldn't necessarily have, you know, where do we get the idea of the wolf man? You know, that idea comes from a demon, does it not? You know, here's a guy that when the moon goes full, he starts growing hair and teeth and, you know, he'll chew you up. And uh, it's it's a fun story, scary, especially around Halloween, but it's not uh, not too much there. Many Babylonian texts still uh, we can find that, that are in incantations to kind of scare away the the uh, evil spirits. And if you look at all the great cathedrals that were built in the Middle Ages, and and you see all the gargoyles on the side, even on the Chrysler Building in Chicago. Uh, they got gargoyles on it, and they were there to scare away any evil spirits from infecting that building. 
So we see this, and it begins way back in Babylonian times, and it carries over today. The ideas, modern ideas for uh, Babylonian beliefs, they believe, of course, they were that was the home of magicians and mystics and astronomers. You remember the wise men uh, coming to the birth of Jesus because uh, they had seen the star. They were observing stars and knew... Uh, and knew what was going on. And when they got to Herod to inquire about uh, the birth of Jesus, that, when they, he said, well, when exactly did you see this? Because he knew the prophecy in Daniel about the time that the, the new guy in town, new king, was going to be born, this uh, deliverer that was going to be born. So in that respect, they were there. They already figured out the astronomy part of it, and they were the mystics and the astronomers and and the soothsayers, and uh, they even originated the the zodiac that we use today. If you, you know, what sign are you born under? You know, uh, it's supposed to be a good pickup line if you're out trying to pick up ladies, but I don't know that it ever. I don't know if anybody had ever worked on, but. Uh, but the zodiac is—it's kind of what we use it for now. Some people read it in the paper, and that's their fortune. That's what's going to happen. And uh, there's nothing in the scriptures that that condone that. But it does come out of uh, modern ideas from Babylon and their beliefs. They—they uh, they believe that the demons lived in abandoned cities or empty houses. Well, do we have haunted houses today? Yo. Remote areas that Jesus said they were in a waterless area, desolate. They could change appearances sometimes as human or animal forms, and we get the werewolf, we get Dracula, who uh, turns into a bat, which, you know, uh, never scared Bats never scared me, but it always scared Linda because she just knew there was a bat out there looking for her hair that was going to land in it. And, she, and, you know, it was just created for that total purpose. And then, so... We see that holding on to this day. Demons uh, wandered the streets and uh, looking for some, you know, would, well, looking for people. Yeah. They fluttered in the air like bats. They laid wait for travelers. Now, this is all coming out of Babylon's beliefs, and they're still here today. They laid waste for travelers. They haunted empty houses, and they were lurking in every corner, hungry for the human flesh that they could get. So this is the idea that we wind up with with demons, that they're, you know, that's what they're after. They're not after that. They're after your soul, folks. They're not after your flesh. Your flesh has already already been taken care of. Satan already had that until Jesus came along. And when he came along, he gave us an opportunity where we can change that. But until that time, um, they weren't hungry for the flesh. They were hungry for the spirit. Some of the other ideas that came out of the Babylonian beliefs, uh, all sorts of misfortunes were ascribed to demons. For instance, docker like this one, there's the toothache, the headache, broken bone, fever. It gives you a new way to analyze when it comes in and say, hey, you ain't got nothing but just a, a demon in you. <laughs> That's all you need now. So exercise him, give him some medicine, and away you go. Yeah, it's one of those things. So toothache, broken bone, fever, uh, anger outbursts. This would describe some of the times that we have people that have 
uh, mental problems that everything's not lined up. And they have these outbursts and say, oh, well, he's, you know, he's uh, possessed by a demon. And, I mean, we even used I remember when I was a kid, it wasn't anything for an adult to call an honorary kid a little devil, you know. Uh, how sad is that when we really know what the devil and the spirits were like, you know. Uh, jealousy and incomprehensible disease, all those things the, the Babylon's blamed on demons. The New Testament differences are... <coughs> There we go. The demons belong to the kingdom of Satan. They don't belong to to God. They don't. They're not here to do good. They're here to sway us to do evil, do things that we're not supposed to do. And it, what the New Testament teaches is the power of Christ when it speaks of the the demons and Satan. This was what the emphasis was on. When somebody was possessed by a demon, Jesus took it away. He had that power to do that, that convincing power. The only one that could, that they could think of that could do that would be someone that was gifted from God in order to do that. Now, later on, that blessing was given to the apostles for a while. When After the day of Pentecost, that was part of the comforter when the Holy Spirit came to them, brought them power so they could cast out demons and they could do the, the, the things that, that Jesus had done to prove that they were part of Jesus. But if you remember, Jesus got very upset and told them what the sin of blasphemy was when they were trying to credit what he was doing to Satan. If you remember that, that was the, and he said, you know, that's the one thing that we won't forgive. Uh, and it ties into the angels, the, those uh, fallen angels, if you would, as being outcast and no redemption. If you side up with them, you know, there's, there's, uh, no redemption if you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. That's it. The emphasis is on Christ Jesus and on the sufferers and the cures, not on the demons. It didn't go through a big spiel about all the demons. It went through a spiel about they had demons, and Jesus cured them. Jesus took care of their suffering that they've been going through. All the disorders and the possessions that we read of in the New Testament were treated as being sick, and healed. It's very simply. When those demons were cast out, they were cast out as a sick person. They're gone. Cast that demon out. Fallen angels, talk about them just a little bit. They were at one time created good and fell through sin. They decided that they wanted to form their own. They wanted to follow Satan and let him become God and not our God Almighty. Of course, that didn't work very well. Second Peter 2, 4, and Jude 6 are some of the scriptures for that. They were created with a choice, but we mentioned before, with no plan for redemption. They were face-to-face with God and walked away under their own free will. So sin and Satan are at the heart of all of our sicknesses and sadnesses in the world. I don't know how many times that, that and, and I've, I've probably been guilty myself of saying, you know, God, why would you do this? God didn't do it. God didn't do it. Satan came into the world and brought all the heartaches and the tears and the sicknesses and the deaths that we experienced. It came from Satan. It didn't come from God. 
when he got done with everything, it was very good. Very, very good. There wasn't anything bad. But he gave man a choice. And man chose the wrong way. And all these things came in to our house. The sickness and the, the sadness in the world. The, the stuff you sit there and watch news every night and think, what in the world is the matter with people? What's the matter with people is sin. And we're getting more and more involved in sin than we are the other way. The, the whole world is kind of turning away from, from God. We take him out of schools. We take him out of anything that's public. You, you, can't, even, you can't pray at a football game. Uh, if anybody needs prayers, it's those guys. <laughs> There's some pretty big boys running into one another. You got two freight trains running at one another. They need prayers, but we they, we won't allow that. It's not correct. Not politically correct. But I'm not going to get into politics. As far as I'm going to go, okay. Their role, these fallen angels, these angels of the devil, is uh, uh, of, of Satan. Their role is to influence us to do evil any way that they can. Whether it's whispering in your ear, and you know, nobody will know, go ahead. You know, you're by yourself, nobody will know what you're doing. It's just a piece of gum. Who's going to miss it? Or it's, you know, whatever the reason might be. There's that little angel here and that little devil here. You remember we talked about that, I think, in the first lesson. But it's really not that at all. It's in here. It's plugged in here. And the devil keeps trying to get into that and possess that. Jesus talked about it, about having an empty house and, and sweeping it clean. And this, the Lord is dwelling there now. So he's not welcome. And we have to fight to keep him out. But the good news is, it's not an eternal threat for the faithful. See if I can go in there. Yeah, there. I like this picture for some reason that is, uh, about fallen angels, but it, it also is a scary picture to me because I realize that uh, if we don't do what we're commanded to do, that's where our place is for eternity. And I think that God has put in there this, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Well, we need to stay in Christ Jesus. Because you can choose to get out just like those fallen angels chose to get out of heaven itself. And we can do that. We can choose to, to reject him and go the other way. So we fight with our temptation. We do the best we can there. And we go on. Let's see, are we getting close, I think? Yeah. There's a place special reserved for them. Uh, we know that from Scripture, of course, where uh, it talks about the place being reserved for Satan and, and his angels. But when is this going to happen? We don't know. Jesus didn't know. We know that there's just not enough information given to us and most likely we'll be surprised when he gets here because he's going to come when we're, like a thief in the night when we're not expecting him to be there. But he's coming. 
the um, that's the other good news. Those in Christ will become sons of God in heaven. And I've got that scripture, I think, on your worksheets there somewhere, but making sure where I'm at here. <coughs> yeah, I didn't put it in my notes here, but I got it on the other one. Past work of good angels. I put this in here. Um, most of the works that we see were in the early testament the early new testament where we see things of uh, the israelites going through the promised land are on their way to the promised land and they were led by a, by an angel that was disguised as either fire or a cloud but that led them to the promised land and was there for 40 years with them joseph's dreams before and after jesus birth to assure him that that mary was okay that he, he, she hadn't had relationships with anyone else, that the relationship was with the Holy Spirit, and that she was a virgin and would give birth as a virgin. So he was easing his conscience a little bit about uh, whether or not he was supposed to, because under Jewish law, he wasn't supposed to marry her unless he actually chose to. There were many appearances to deliver the message of God all the way from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, David, the prophets, judges, uh, even even the apostles. They, uh, this says a summary, I don't know if I can summarize anything or not with the angels, but they strengthened Jesus at the times of his trial. If you read where he was in the desert, the angels came and comforted him after he sent Satan on his way. Satan tried to sway him. He used everything he could to, to change his mind. If you look at it, 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 all the things he was trying to tell him was the things that we fight with every day. But the angels came and strengthened him and gave him comfort that he needed. Same way in the, in the Gethsemane when he was there. He led the apostles and, and the preachers, uh, even today, I believe, to, to teach the gospel message. Most preachers, if you talk to them, really feel like they were called to do that. They're, I don't know of anybody that says, well, I think I want to get a job where they wake me up at 2 o'clock in the morning because they're upset about something. You know, and so they answer the phone. That's just one example. I came from a, from a family of preachers. Uh, I never wanted to preach, not at all. But uh, they had the calling. I didn't, I didn't feel like I had that calling. You know, nothing wanted me to get out there and just anxiously in 30 minutes try to convince you to become a Christian. I needed more time than, than 30 minutes. As you can tell in my classes, it takes me a little bit longer to, to get through things. But They rescued Peter from Herod. Remember, he was going to kill him. He was in prison, and that was where we mentioned before, where uh, uh, not Rachel... I did it again. I forgot. Anyway, the, the Ray, uh, never mind. It Rhoda, that's it. I don't know why. I, don't, I should remember that from Mary Tyler Moore. But Rhoda was at the door and, and answered it and said, it's not, you know, it's not Peter. It's his angel. He must be dead. And they'd been praying for his release. And yet here he is. And they're like, yeah, oh, what happened? But see, he rescued. He was rescued from Herod by an angel. Came in and turned him loose out of prison. Took him through the gates and out of the city. 
to where he was there. Is that one or two? That's number two. Okay, I only got I got two more real quick. I'll get done and then leave the rest to you guys. <clears throat> Present and future work in the world, they will accompany Jesus Christ on the day of judgment. That's scriptural. They will actively participate in its events. That also comes out of scripture. And they will minister to the saints. We got that in scripture. We talked about it back in Hebrews. Hebrews 1, I believe. And also... We see that the past works were in the miracle age where we saw where the angels came and, and dealt directly with the human beings. But we know that they're still dealing with us, that they work for and they serve the saints. We don't know exactly how that works, but that's what they do. They protect the saints. Again, we don't know how that works. Uh, there is that spiritual warfare going on, and some of that's there. And they bear souls into paradise. That kind of is the... The um, inferences of uh, what the angels will be doing to Christians. I believe they're here to transport us and help us go across that river of death when the time comes. I thank you for your attendance for this class. Next week we're going to start our ethics class. And I hope that I give you something that makes you want to get in and dig and look a little closer and and uh, with with an open heart and mind. And like I said, uh, there's so much speculation that if I've said something that you don't agree with, then that's okay. You know, I mean, I, uh, you, you may be, you, you're probably more right than I am for all I know. But I just give you what I came and gleaned out of the scriptures and out of the uh, few comments that I could find from other folks. So I thank you again. God bless you. Have a good week, and we'll see you next week. We've got... Meals on wheels, or on Wednesday, uh, coming up next, next week. So maybe we'll have a good crowd then too. Thank you very much. You're dismissed.